0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. We're going to switch gears and talk about um, dermatologic issues in kids with Down syndrome. Um, this talk was created together with Dr. Renee Howard, one of our professors of dermatolo- pediatric dermatology at UCSF. Um, we thought about doing this in tandem, switching mics, and then we figured uh, it might be best if one of us presented the information, but we will, she will be presenting next about dermatologic issues in all individuals with disabilities, and we'll be answering questions together, aka she'll answer all the questions about dermatology still nothing to disclose um, we're gonna talk about common dermatologic issues in individuals with down syndrome uh... talk about some treatment modalities and then identify which things to refer and which things to manage in your own offices if you're a doctor um, so let's start by talking about cutaneous features in children with Down syndrome. Um, a variety of dermatologic issues are more common in uh, Down syndrome. The single transverse palmar crease, please do not call it a simian crease, that's insulting, um, is the most common cutaneous finding. Um, it's unilateral, um, but it's also very common in the general population. Um, in general, transient cutaneous manifestations are more likely to be seen early on in life while their more chronic skin conditions tend to emerge later on in life. There are several predisposing factors to having skin stuff. Um, number one, I think hypotonia. Uh, when you're a baby, you're more likely to stay in one position. So the neck, the armpits, the inguinal folds are going to be chronically exposed to moisture, which can lead to rashes. Um, lying on your back all the time can lead to rashes, bald spots, pressure sores and rare occasions. The low oromotor tone often leads to drooling. Um, Poor coordination with feeding leads to milk facials and um, food facials, uh, which are not great for the skin. Um, And then the delayed achievement of continence uh, uh, means that someone's going to be in a diaper for a longer period of time, also predisposing uh, to rashes. Premature aging also predisposes um, uh, one uh, to skin differences. Um, Premature onset of age-dependent changes like hair-graying and thinning and wrinkling. Um, and it's thought to be related to uh, lower basal level of DNA repair enzymes, uh, especially uh, the uh, decreased ability to repair UV-induced uh, DNA damage, as well as possibly overproduction of oxygen-free radical. The superoxide dismutase gene is on chromosome 21. Um, and oxidative stress has been linked to T-cell-mediated skin diseases from psoriasis to seborrheic dermatitis to contact derm and atopic derm. Immune dysfunction also plays a role. Individuals with Down syndrome all have a sort of a relative immune deficiency, no unifying diagnosis, but uh, definitely abnormal. um, Antibody-mediated and cell-mediated immunity in vitro. uh, We've seen uh, reduced killing of Candida, Albicans, and Staph aureus. And then unclear whether this translate to clinical significance because studies that have looked at zinc replacement have not um, are old, they're all from the 80s and 90s and have not shown a huge uh, difference, but increased um, prevalence of zinc deficiency may have something to do with increased dermatologic um, uh, issues as well. Increased risk of autoimmunity, which is well-described in individuals with Down syndrome, obviously has an effect on the skin. Some autoimmune autoimmune diseases have dermatologic manifestations. This is dermatitis herpetiformis associated with celiac, but also thyroid disease, diabetes, autoimmune hepatitis can have uh, skin presentations. And then some autoimmune diseases directly affect the skin, from vitiligo to alopecia to psoriasis. So... From here on out, I'm going to take you through a whirlwind tour of skin conditions. Um, I have 30 minutes to go over 30 slides, um, so I will have to go quickly. Everything is in your handouts, um, and I made the slides a bit busy, so you could refer to them um, in your handout if you come, come up with uh, any of these issues. Starting with vascular lesions, uh, um, pretty much all babies will have some degree of cutis marmorata or livido verticularis, uh, which are um, very, very similar conditions. Uh, When a dermatologist thinks of livido verticularis, they think autoimmune, rheumatologic conditions. But when it comes to kids with Down syndrome, it actually doesn't seem to be associated with uh, vasculitides. Um, They're more prominently seen in cold temperatures so whenever my nurses undress the babies to weigh them um, you can see the cutis marmorata um, you can see some um, uh, cutis and uh, libido in uh, the pictures above um, you don't have to refer cutis um, it will go away on its own it will probably take longer to go away than most other babies without Down syndrome uh, but it's not scary or dangerous um, vascular malformation um, I, was there, I couldn't find anything in the literature that showed a clear increased risk of vascular malformations in individuals with Down syndrome, but what we do know is that our, our kids with Down syndrome are at increased risk of atresias throughout the GI tract, including anal atresia. And anal atresia is associated at times with vascular malformations as part of bigger syndromes such as pelvis and sacral syndromes. I love dermatology because all their syndromes make complete sense and are, have cute names. Um, so uh, pelvis stands for a perianal hemangioma. Um, External genital malformations, uh, uh, lipomeningomyelocele, vesicorenal anomalies, and perforate anus area skin tag. Sacral is spinal dystrophism, cutaneous, renal and neurologic anomalies, um, and angiomas in the lumbosacral localization. So um, this is an example of one patient with this rash that would uh, be paler and then become red and then become purplish and then disappear. And this child that has anal atresia and also has a tethered cord and really fits the picture for one of these syndromes, and re- vesicoureteral reflux so really fits the picture for the syndrome. Um. Transient myeloproliferative disorder uh, is seen with increased uh, incidence in individuals with Down syndrome. It's transient, um, aberrant proliferation of uh, some cell lines. Um, And uh, some kids need treatment. For some kids, it resolves on its own. And then uh, the more serious version, congenital leukemia. Uh, Both of these uh, um, conditions uh, can be associated with um, dermatologic manifestations. Congenital uh, leukemia is associated with leukemia cutis which are these blue firm, infiltrated papules and nodules, um, and then uh, uh, for leukemoid reactions and transient um disorder, um, kids can have uh, uh, vesicular pustular eruptions, uh, such as the one seen in uh, this textbook uh, or uh, peer-reviewed article picture. Um, the There should be a differential because um, it could be, of course, herpes, uh, staph, congenital candidiasis. Uh, however, a CBC might give you a clue into what's going on because if you see a whole lot of white cells, um, then it's probably transient myeloproliferative disorder or congenital leukemia. And it resolves the treatment. The treatment is not geared at the rash. The treatment is geared at the uh, uh, blood cell dyscrasia. Atopic dermatitis um, is common. Uh, According to the literature, about as common as it is in the general population, which is common, um, xerosis cutis, so dry skin, is so common. Everybody gets it, or almost everybody has uh, dry skin. I can never generalize. Um, And it tends to get worse with time. Uh, and with age. And certainly having dry skin and a non-intact skin barrier can predispose you to have irritant contact derm and uh, allergic and contact dermatitis. So gentle skincare needs to be emphasized from the very beginning. Um, I won't use names or brands. I just say, if you can smell the soap, it's not good for you. If you can smell the lotion, it's not good for you. And, uh, you know, we talked about sensory issues, but if you get used to this baby being lubed up all day long from when they're babies, then it's just going to be a part of their routine as opposed to if you try to start moisturizing a teenager um, with sensory issues eczema is also common um and uh, um what i where i see it a lot is the cheeks so malar erythema is very commonly seen in kids with down syndrome especially in the winter uh many of you are quite familiar with treating um eczema uh so gentle skincare topical steroids when indicated and managing the staph colonization that can uh worsen um eczema uh, Most eczema doesn't need to be referred. If you get stuck and you cannot get good um, uh, results uh, and you know that the family is actually doing what they're supposed to, then you should refer. But the cases that are referred for atopic derm are few for Down syndrome from me. Um, Cutaneous infections are common, um, ranging from folliculitis, to foruncles, to abscesses, to secondary empatigo in someone with eczema. Um, a study, there's the f- same. F- Few studies are are referenced throughout this talk uh, because there aren't that many people who are looking at dermatologic issues in individuals with Down syndrome. I want to note that some of these studies were done in uh, institutionalized patients, and so we have to keep that in mind when thinking about our sample size and the factors of living in an institution that could affect the skin. Um, but, uh, sheep is at all found folliculitis to be the most common dermatologic condition in their study population. It was a mix of bacterial folliculitis, which is very common in the gluteal and perianal region, as well as pterosporum folliculitis, which is often seen in adults with down syndrome in the chest and infrascapular lesion, um, How do we treat it? If it's bacterial, we often use uh, um, eradication measures. So your uh, diluted bleach baths, uh, um, topical antiseptics like Hibiclans wipes, and then topical clindamycin gel is often uh, very effective at controlling the bacterial uh, folliculitis. For pterosporum, uh, topical ketocon- ketoconazole, um, you're some blue basically. Um, um, but you know, you don't want to put shampoo necessarily on the skin. So you can also get, um, 2% ketoconazole, uh, lotion. Um, but you may need oral treatment. Um, and a single dose of flucon is, uh, um, often enough, um, to eradicate pterosporum. Um, so you don't really have to refer a uh, folliculitis unless it's refractory complicated. Subderm is super common and it has like a bimodal age distribution babies, but all babies have some or most babies have some subderm cradle cap on the scalp and on the uh, T line um, or the T region. Um, and, uh, and then later on in older childhood, often presenting as itchy, dandruff. Um, Strong association with pterosporum folliculitis um, and uh, for babies, as Dr. Howard says, who is it bothering the parent or the child, right? So um, you can do mineral oil in a comb, but you may use hydrocortisone uh, for older children, ketoconazole 2% shampoo or cells in blue um, can uh, control um, subderm very well. Um, You don't have to refer it unless it seems really hard to treat uh, because the differential of subderm in the scalp is scalp psoriasis. And so if you don't get good control with these measures, then it might be psoriasis and it probably needs a dermatologist input. Keratodermatoses are very common as well. Keratosis pilaris uh, has a well-known association with Down syndrome. Uh, 15% of individuals with Down syndrome uh, were found to have KP in one study. And what it is, is the hair follicles get plugged up with dead skin cells, uh, which creates this rough texture. It often happens and on the um, thighs and, uh, it itchy, uh, and it can be itchy and can be dry and uh, um, the treatment is uh, uh, used trying to use non soap cleansers to um, uh, allow the skin to retain its moisture but exfoliating the, um, the dead skin cells can can be helpful um, and then using moisturizing creams especially moisturizing creams containing urea or salicylic acid can be very helpful in controlling KP Palmoplantar kerato- hyperkeratosis is also very common. Um, uh, high prevalences in some studies. I have to be honest, I don't see as much of it as uh, uh, what's quoted in the studies, but it's a... Uh, um, well-defined hyperkeratotic plaques uh, that are uh, distributed at pressure points of the palms and soles. And the treatment is emollients and keratolytic agents. Um, you can use topical steroids and uh, topical retinoids and uh, topical uh, vitamin D ointments uh, such as calcipotriene. These are things that don't need to be referred unless they're complicated refractory. Um, and you know, a lot of families come in saying, I need a dermatologist referral. And uh, um, I, I feel very empowered to say, okay, how about I try to treat the rash since there's a long wait to see the dermatologist because there's few excellent people uh, like Dr. Howard. And then if, if we get sucked, then no problem. And uh, um, it I feels real good to solve people's issues without having to uh, send them to yet another specialist. Periorificial dermatitis, I see it a lot. Um, there are periorficial papules and pu- pustules, and they can start as isolated pa- uh, papules and pustules and can become more confluent. Um, and they're on the spectrum of rosacea. So if you're familiar with rosacea, you know that it can flare and then it can uh, go away, and it might flare with um, the time of day, uh, with uh, uh, temperature. Um, hopefully, my kids are not drinking alcohol. Um, uh, but it can wax and wane. Um, the predisposing factor in st- is steroids around the area, and how many of our kids are on intranasal uh, steroids or inhaled corticosteroids if they have asthma. Um, so think of that <laughs> mask with a uh, spacer with mask um, as an offender. And then, to be frank, sometimes you don't know what it is. You think it might be eczema, so you're like, let's put some steroid on this, and it gets really upset. Um, the treatment, uh, topical uh, antibiotic gels like metronidazole gel or uh, topical gel uh, can be uh, effective. Sometimes it flares the rash before it makes it go away, which is hard for the family to see. Um, and uh, you can use systemic treatments uh, like doxycycline at acne doses for a couple of weeks uh, or azithromycin at pneumonia dosing, um, and it will melt the rash away. Um, If it fails the first light treatments, you should refer um, for further guidance. Um, Certainly some of these bother the parent more than the kid, but I definitely see a lot of kids scratching and really bothered by the rash. So that's something that I like to treat, especially if I see excoriation marks. this I find very interesting. Um, it's thought that there is higher concentration of calcium in the sweat channels of people with Down syndrome, which might lead to sweat duct calcification, which leads to these milia-like calcinosis cutis, um, which can, which are these small, discrete white papules that look like milia but are more firm and like look chalky, like there's calcium in there Um, and usually they're asymptomatic they're not bothering anyone someone might think they're a wart and get real freaked out by it uh, but otherwise they're not that bothersome Um, and no treatment is necessary um, unless they're painful and if they're painful they can be curetted and they shouldn't be confused with milia milia uh, like those seen in the under the eye um, in the picture below Um, But either way, you're not going to do much about it other than reassure. Syringomas are similar to Melia, um, but they're small, flesh-colored, yellow-brown dermal papules. And in our individuals with Down syndrome are very often seen in the eyelid, and that's actually uh, much, much, much more common to be seen under the eyelids than in the general population. There's a female predominance as reported in this very recent study from 1964. Um, And there's an association with the malia-like calcinosis cutis. So wondering if it's some sort of similar um, pathogenesis to it. Uh, They're not easy to treat. Um, and they don't bother anybody other than the child if they don't like what they how they look or the parent if they don't like how they look. Um, so I would say refer only if the kid is bothered by it because if the kid is bothered by it, then we should treat it, right? If someone is having self-esteem issues and image issues related to these, then, you know, just like we would for anybody else, we should refer. But if nobody cares, then leave them be because uh, treatment is... Um, Electrocoagulation, cryotherapy, and neither of those feel great. Vitiligo consists of depigmented, generally well-demarcated areas, not hypopigmented. Right, so it's not just lighter than the skin. It's like what? Um, the estimated prevalence is two uh, percent, uh, as opposed to one percent of the general population. There is an association with hypothyroidism, so I do check TSH and free T4 and even the antibodies in uh, kids who come in with vitiligo, um, as well as alopecia areata. Um, they will, bright, uh, will light up brightly under woods light, as shown in this picture. And um, in terms of treatment, it's difficult to treat. Um, you can start with topical steroids, like uh, uh, 0.1% trampsin alone. Um, maybe even uh, lidex, Um, and then you might need to add uh, topical tachyrolimus, and then light therapy is very effective, Um, but talk to Dr. Howard for two minutes uh, to get to hear what light therapy uh, access is like in our area. Non-existent. Sorry I spoiled it. This is something that should be referred, because we're talking about big gun steroids, big gun um, uh, immunosuppressants like uh, tacrolimus. uh, the focus of treatment is generally more on the face than on the body and i think that part of the focus of treatment is also acceptance um, and uh, a positive body image uh, type messaging uh, because it is hard to treat and it's unlikely that we'll be able to make all these spots go away Um, so feeling comfortable with them uh, is important and then um, some people use makeup to cover them up if they're not um, comfortable with them there's famous models with uh, vitiligo. Um, if you wanna look at awesome pictures, look up Positive Exposure by Rick Guidotti, um a famous fashion photographer who decided to start photographing individuals with all different genetic conditions in a way that's respectful as opposed to the textbook pictures with the eyes blocked and the genitals visible. Alopecia areata is also more prevalent in individuals with Down syndrome and in the general population. There's a possible female predominant. Again, there's, a, 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 so there's a, an association between genes that live on the 21st chromosome and alopecia, specifically MXA, the product of MX1 gene, which is an interferon inducible protein uh, that is strongly expressed in the lesional antigen hair bulbs uh, from patients in alopecia areata. Um, it is associated with vitiligo, thyroiditis, hypothyroidism, Um So again, if I see it, I check thyroid uh, and, uh, levels and thyroid antibodies. It tends to be more severe uh, in individuals with Down syndrome um, and harder to treat. Um, topical steroids are the first line, but you should refer. I don't think you should hold off on starting topical steroids as you refer because, uh, um, because I told you to start, <laughs> because Dr. Howard told you to start, um, but do refer because again, this is hard to treat. The next three things I'm gonna talk about are related to weight which takes me on a tangent please do not use the down syndrome growth curves to evaluate for obesity in individuals with down syndrome growth curves are normative curves like you know take the bell curve and turn it into curves so if there's a condition that's prevalent in 50 percent of the population then what will look 50th percentile and average on that growth curve is actually gonna be obesity and you're gonna miss obesity. So please, please, please use the CDC growth curves when evaluating weight and BMI for individuals with Down syndrome. Newer studies from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia suggest that the 85th percentile for BMI in individuals with Down syndrome actually represents obesity based on different fat distributions. Um, acanthosis nigricans starts as flat hyperpigmentation and then becomes velvety. It's often seen in the back of the neck, also in the armpits. Many patients think that the kid is dirty and really um, it's a skin change. It's associated with insulin resistance and we have to think about that because the incidence of diabetes mellitus, both time, type one and type two, is higher in um, our pa- uh, patient population of individuals with Down syndrome. There's a really high prevalence of being overweight and obesity, as I just said, um, and then newer studies are showing that actually um, an extra copy of the DSCR14 gene uh, from the 21st chromosome actually uh, leads to dysregulated hepatic glucose homeostasis and pyruvate intolerance, which is likely what uh, what explains the higher incidence of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in our individuals with Down syndrome. So. I am strict about sugar. At our parties, there's no juice, there's no soda, there's just water. Um, And I talk to everybody about limiting sugar intake and not rewarding with food um, because of these issues. You don't have to refer to dermatology for ecanthosis, but maybe consider referring to nutrition, um, consider referring to endocrinology. I follow a skinny mini uh, who's had uh, um, ecanthosis for a couple of years, and I'm watching her A1C rise, and I think she's going to Um, reveal herself as a type 1 diabetic um, soon. Hydrodinitis um, is another condition that's associated, that's uh, made worse uh, by being overweight or obese. Uh, They're inflammatory pustules, nodules, and abscesses that are often seen in the armpits, the groin, and sometimes the inframammary region. Um, And they are not infections per se, they're not the boil that you lance and then you solve the infection. They are related to uh, an inflammatory reaction to bacterial skin colonization, so we cannot take the blame completely away from Uh, staph. But unfortunately, you won't be able to treat it forever just by lancing them and and, or giving antibiotics. And if not treated promptly, then they can lead to fistulous tracts and um, become much, much harder to treat. Um, The incidence in individuals with Down syndrome is higher than in the general population and we do have a USCSF study going on right now on hydrodinitis. The age of onset is younger. Uh, Hydrodinitis has a clear female predominance in the general population. Uh, I have not seen studies specific to Down syndrome uh, but again, because there's a genetic underpinning, I suspect that that female predominance might not be quite as marked. Um, Treatment. Part of it is weight loss, um, because again, this is exacerbated by being overweight or obese. Topical cleansers, uh, diluted bleach baths, the skin colonization measures um, are important. You can start with topical clinda for mild disease and see if that works. Systemic treatment with like taking doxycycline or clindamycin all the time um, is, uh, might be needed to control. Um, uh, both these antibiotics both control the the bacteria but also have on their own. Uh, right? Uh, anti-inflammatory properties that help control hidradenitis. If that fails you might need to use a combination of rifampin and clindamycin. Oh my goodness. Um, and then really, really good results with Humira and at a recent talk that Dr. Nicole Kittler, one of the new UCSF dermatologists gave at our Grand Rounds in Oakland, she actually recommended referring early for dermatology because I think sometimes we beat around the bush and let this get out of control when this could have been ameliorated a lot earlier uh, with immunologic treatment. I have a patient with hydrogenitis, and we tried the wipes, wouldn't tolerate them, tried topical, wouldn't tolerate them, tried antibiotics, wouldn't tolerate them. And I was like, you know, Mom, I think that we might need to go to injections, and I was floored. She was like, please give me injections, I don't want to fight with him all the time, just once a week is so much better. So, um, also, forget your biases, because parents might feel very differently from you about escalating treatment. Psoriasis also has an association, uh, with weight. Um, psoriasis is a chronic inflammatory skin condition characterized by clearly defined red scaly plaques with the Auspitz sign where like it bleeds if you scratch it, right. Okay. Um, Um, and you should look for it in the scalp as well. Actually, that's where I see it the most. I, um, I don't have as many patients who have scalp psoriasis elsewhere um, the majority of my patients have it on their scalp and if it's just on the scalp keeping the hair short and using things like uh, tar gel and ketoconazole uh, sh- uh, shampoo can control it often sometimes we do have to use uh, um, topical steroid lotions as well on the scalp uh, uh, but keeping the hair short especially for the males uh, and uh, those other two measures are quite effective um, If it's on the skin, uh, then the treatment is more intensive. Um, It involves a uh, a high-potency topical steroids, uh, vitamin D ointments. Dr. Howard will talk more about that. Um, And the differential includes subderm, crested scabies, uh, other um, things. But this is something you should refer. Doesn't mean you can't start treatment, especially if you have a wonderful dermatologist like Dr. Howard who will answer you at all times of the day and night. but um, this is something that should be followed by a dermatologist. A word on oral manifestations, macroglossia. Sometimes kids have a big tongue and sometimes the tongue just looks big because the oral cavity is small. The tongue can be fissured, it can be geographic, and this is super common and it's not scary and I just reassure. Lip fissures and a lot of angular chelitis. I think that has something to do with that impaired killing, a fungal killing on the skin. Um, it's quite common and the treatment is some topical uh, Lotrimin uh, at first and then you can add a little bit of hydrocortisone um, um, a couple, uh, after a couple of weeks. Uh, you don't wanna put steroids right away on something that's thought to be fungal, otherwise the uh, fungus is gonna throw a party. Um, you don't have to refer unless the chelitis develops some sort of granuloma because of uh, picking or touching or um, excessive inflammation. A word about institu- institutionalization in dermatology, when you read these articles about dermatology and Down syndrome, it talks about high rates of onychomycosis and scabies, and the question is, well, is it truly because of an inherent thing with Down syndrome, or is it because you studied patients in an institutionalized setting where things like scabies mite can spread like wildfire what we do know about scabies is that um, individuals with down syndrome are more likely to have a crusted scabies type of presentation and one of the thoughts is that maybe they feel the itching a little bit less due to differences in sensory perception and processing Um, and that could lead to a wide more wide spreading of the scabies mite I did it. Um, So thank you for your attention, and we'll answer questions together after Dr. Howard's talk. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.